1: Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Captain America, the first Avenger. I'm Alex.
2: I'm Justin.
1: And we have a special guest today, Amelia Emberwing, editor for What to Watch. Amelia, welcome. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having me. And hi, everybody.
1: Uh, thanks so much for coming on, and apologies that our third Pete is not here today. He sent a note, and I'm just going to read it now. I hate America. It's very weird. but Yeah, that is a
2: weird thing to say.
1: Yeah, very rude. But Amelia is here, so that's all good. Uh, now, to give you guys the broad overview, you probably know this about the movie, but this is the... Last movie before Marvel's Avengers, the fifth movie in the MCU overall, and we've been doing a walk through phase one of the MCU between Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, which is coming up very rapidly. But this movie came out July 22nd, 2011, directed by Joe Johnston, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Now, I remember exactly where I was and how I saw this movie and my reaction to it first. But, Amelia, I want to go to you first. What was... What was it like when you first saw this movie? What was your initial reaction? And how has it grown or not over the intervening years?
0: Um, I think it was, you know, as enamored as a lot of people were outside of, you know, certain critics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was for a different reason. Uh, I obviously love Steve Rogers, but mm-hmm. Peggy Carter is is my favorite character in the MCU. So, you know, obviously, that wow. yeah. her, um, so yeah, it was, it was highly positive. Um, I, I think it's a great origin. It's definitely my favorite origin out of everything that we've seen in the MCU for sure.
1: Just what about you? What was it like when you first saw the movie and what was it like revisiting it now?
2: Well, let me say, I have a confession. I, I never watched the fur the first, I never watched it a first time. This is my my first time fully watching this movie. Really? Right. Yes. I I feel like you guys used to make fun of me on the show, and then it's just been so long (laughs) since we've talked about it. But I – and I didn't even realize until I sat down to watch it uh, this morning – I I've seen it from like the middle on, but I I've never seen like the first almost third to a half of this movie. That's the honestly, it's so good. (laughs) I couldn't believe how good this movie is, and that's a huge confession to throw out there. Um, But um, honestly, like this is it's. Definitely, I agree with you, um, Amelia. The best origin. This movie is so confident. I we've said this about every movie that we've <laughs> in phase one. That this is the one where the Mar- Marvel style f- fully came together. But it's actually this one. <laughs> yeah, this is the one where it had the confidence to be like, we're going to tell some jokes. We're really setting up the Avengers. We're doing everything at once, while also just having a great. Indiana Jones-esque movie here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe I'm being too effusive because I literally just watched it for the very first time. (laughs) But this movie's fantastic.
1: Well, and a little bit of a note here before I tell my embarrassing story about the first time I saw Captain America. Uh, This is directed by Joe Johnston, who directed The Rocketeer, which
2: you also love. Right, Justin? One of my favorite movies is The Rocketeer. Yeah. The only weird thing about The Rocketeer is that they somehow climb up from the bottom of the blimp through the hydrogen to the top of the blimp in the grand finale. Does not make sense? Not explained. That's the only part that I have a criticism about. Otherwise, great movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, So my confession uh, is I went to see this movie. This came out during Comic-Con in 2011, and I was down there in San Diego. I live on the East Coast, for anybody listening who doesn't uh, know us at all. Uh, So I went to see it, I think, opening night at midnight. So it was 3 a.m., my body's time. I I straight up fell asleep. Like, in the middle, I tried so hard. (laughs) You're worse than me. You're worse than me. (laughs) Absolutely terrible. I tried so hard. I think I made it. I had the opposite thing, because I saw the first half of the movie. and completely fell asleep for the second half of the movie. Woke up for the Avengers trailer at the end, and I was like, oh, this is fun. I should really, I guess, see this movie again at some point. (laughs) Uh, And then I did later on, but this is one that really has... Uh, other than those inauspicious beginnings, gotten better every single time that I've seen it. Um, I Just the way that Joe Johnson builds out the world, and particularly watching it again this time, I was so struck by just the vehicles and everything, and the weapons, and the way that it almost feels in a similar way to how we were talking about Thor builds out Asgard as its fantasy world. This almost builds out a fantasy world of World War II, in the MCU in a really exciting way. And it's super fun. So that all said, uh, let's jump in and talk about some of the parts a little bit. Uh, Amelia, you mentioned Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. What is it about this character that draws you in so much? What makes her your favorite character in the MCU?
0: I mean, the MCU doesn't exist without Peggy Carter. Literally. Mm. (laughs) She's the entire (laughs) backbone of the whole MCU. She founded S.H.I.E.L.D., with Howard and the Colonel, however, the Colonel went off to work with Nazis, and Howard went off to do Stark Industries. Uh, she literally founded Shield. She, there is no Captain America without her. Uh, her and Jarvis's partnership. There is no Tony Stark without her. Like she, she is the reason for the MCU that we have today. But you know, she never gets acknowledged for that. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's fine, I'm fine. Um, (laughs) So, you know, getting to meet her in this film, it was so refreshing, especially at the time because we were still in, you know, peak strong female characters, which, you know, we were excited about at the time because we didn't have anything else. But then (laughs) enter Peggy Carter with, you know, her femininity and her badassery and being, you know a fully-fledged character, which obviously we see more once Agent Carter the series happens. Uh, But we still see enough of it in this film for the excitement for Agent Carter the series to be there. Like, our first main meeting with her is some guy being a jerk and her turning around and punching him in the face and continuing to command this squad. Like, she's amazing. Like, she, she saw... She saw what nobody else saw and she didn't see it at first because of love. She saw it for the same reason that Erskine saw it. Like, it's not about being the perfect soldier, it's about being the good man. And her attention to all of the things that matter most, both then and throughout her tenure, you know, are are how we were able to have the MCU as a whole.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I agree uh, with so much of that. Like you see cap through her eyes first. And I love that you, she doesn't recognize it right out of the gate. It takes her a minute to really see him the same way everybody and, but she's the real canary there. Like being like, there's something about this guy and just her eyes that you, it's just, they're so strong. Haley Atwell is such a great performer in this movie and she brings as much strength as, as Steve Rogers does in this movie. Um, And their last moment uh, talking to each other over the radio is so heartbreaking because they are equals. They are equals in this fight. They are equals to each other. And when the mic cuts out right when he's saying he doesn't want to step on her foot or whatever, the actual cutout line. It's perfect. It's so good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. She is fantastic and I love her performance of this movie. It's interesting to hear you bring up the thing about uh, strong female characters at the time. We touched on this a little bit with the Iron Man 2 a podcast when we were chatting about this, but it feels in that movie very much like they're putting a hat on it a little bit. Like They're like, look, Black Widow's kidding, kicking butt. Isn't this cool? Don't you love mm-hmm. this? And this is the first movie where it really does act Feel very equal between them. Uh, pretty famously, Haley Atwell said called out the Ginger Rogers line and said that her character uh can do everything Captain America does, but backwards and in heels. And I think that's really true. I, I love that shot. Of when the car is driving away after Erskine has died, and the car blows up, and normally in that scene, you'd you know, watch her fall to the ground or something like that, and then Captain America would run up. Instead, she shakes it off, squares herself up, and <laughs> shoots the guy yeah. from about 50 feet away, and it's awesome. It's mm-hmm. great. so good such a good scene. Uh, so she's That's great. So great. Oh, well, one, more, one more thing about yeah. her.
2: I love also the way so many movies, uh, in, including superhero movies, overplay the romance. It's like you see the romantic pairing early on. You're like, oh, they're definitely going to get together and they suddenly love each other out of nowhere. What I love about this movie is their relationship is just starting when the movie ends and it feels much more real. And I think that Plays all the way through Avengers Endgame when you realize what he wants in the end is just to have a chance to have this romance that he didn't get to have, that they just had the beginnings of at the end of this movie. And I think that's so smart. It's one of the only movies that really does it right.
1: I mean, that was my one ask with Avengers Endgame, honestly. And I think a lot of fans too, which is like, if we don't see Captain America and Peggy get their dance, by the edge of this, what
2: are you even doing with this movie? And then, of course, we yeah. gotta do. But you know, why'd you yeah. introduce time travel if you weren't gonna give us this?
1: <laughs> Come on, I want things. Uh, let's talk about Chris Evans because this is this is something other than the falling asleep that held me back initially with Captain America, was having this picture of Chris Evans as the jokey, fratty, funny dude coming in here, knew him as Johnny Storm, Human Torch. Uh, So he was not somebody that I was like, "This this guy isn't Captain America, what are you doing? But looking into it, apparently Marvel was all in on him. They asked him three times and he kept turning it down because he felt like this is not a part, this is not what I want to do with my life. I, I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I'm ready for this. This is going to kick me to the next level. And ultimately Robert Dowdy Jr. apparently convinced him to actually take the part and said it would be a good idea. Um, but what do you think? What do you think about Chris Evans as Steve Rogers in this movie? Amelia?
0: First of all, best Chris. Um, <laughs> yes. 100%. Uh, I, I was excited about it. Um, admittedly however so like and this is always something that you're not allowed to admit when you do like comic media especially when you're a girl but i (laughs) growing up i basically only read fantastic four in the marvel verse um and everything else that i had was dc so i never read captain america which is hilarious now because captain america is like such a huge part of my identity now. My dog's name is literally Steve Rogers. <laughs>
2: <Wow>. <laughs> Hilarious.
0: Back when this film came out, like I had no background. So like I didn't have any real preciousness over the character. So I think that helped. Whereas like I was just like, yeah, okay, he looks the part. So I'm sure he'll be able to figure it out. It's fine. Like Marvel's <laughs> casting department had done well enough. But like there was no there was no real concern in that Um, but flash forward to you know two years ago and I do want to say that Chris Evans decision for Knives Out to be his next major blockbuster role was so smart both on his and Ryan Johnson's part because you know you believe him now Mm -hmm. like and it's a testament to his performance that like no that's Captain America that's the good guy that and so like when he's doing his little uh speech you're just like yeah i believe you i believe you you're totally <laughs> innocent even though you're nothing but a fucking knob like oh my god yes <laughs> of course and then he does the flip and you're just like
1: Well, he's really, to your point, he's, uh, over the intervening years, he's really taken it to a heart, like I think the best superhero actors do, and tried to be that person publicly as much as possible as well. And Mm -hmm. I- in his case, maybe this is me being a sucker, but I don't think it's totally a PR strategy. I think he really understands how much Captain America means to people, to kids, to people growing up, to MCU fans, and wants to earnestly be that. And then also he wants to be an actor and do Knives Out and, you know, stretch himself a little bit, and that's yeah. good. But, uh, yeah, he, he's great. And uh, what do you think, Justin?
2: I just great. I mean, I to, to your point, I he does walk the walk. Like, uh, didn't he launch for the election like a, a real voter driving website? Like, he does feel like he has embraced fully this idea of I'm Captain America on screen and I'm a lot of Captain America off screen. So, I probably should uh, back that up. Um, and that's commendable, but he he's so good in this, the, the whole um. It's a, this movie's a love letter to him. They're like, hey, um, unlike The Hulk, we're just gonna use your regular body for the superhero and we're gonna shrink you for the the (laughs) dweeby guy. Like, this is, this movie's like, you're perfect, sir. (laughs) Like, don't change. We're gonna back this movie into how amazing you are. Uh, so I love that. And this shrink thing is still a little weird, but it, it works. After a little bit, I bought it. You buy it after a little while.
1: It's wild. I think you're absolutely right. That first shot of Tiny Steve throws you a little bit, but particularly given that these effects at this point are 10 years old, they really hold up in a very surprising way. I I mean, a little background there. Uh, The guy who played Small Cap just the body double was a guy named Leander Dini, who actually shows up later in the movie as the bartender. I believe the one yeah. who's asked, like, how do you guys put all these down to the Howling Commandos? Yes. Um, so they did actually throw him in the movie. Uh, but they did each shot four times, which is pretty typical with effect shots, but it's still wild that they filmed each scene four times. Uh, they shot uh, once with Evans, just regular full-body Evans, uh, once with Evans on a green screen, once without Evans, and then once with the body double for any scenes where they were used Using him um so how movies come together boggles my mind sometimes
2: it's a lot of painstaking work like that because that's giving them options in case one in case they can't pull off the final look and also just creating so much work for everybody imagine doing the one with no one where they're just all acting around nothing (laughs) (laughs) like you're gonna get in this machine ghost uh very hard
1: yeah uh another two quick notes actually on that uh one the you mentioned the machine, I think people probably know this, but that amazing shot afterwards of Peggy Carter just like very lightly touching cap's chest that was just her like she did that because she was like, "Oh his chest is fair, I just want to touch it <laughs> yeah. and so improvising. And then they ended up putting that in the movie, and it's one of the most famous shots, which is great. Uh, the other one, there's this behind-the-scenes feature on making the Red Skull, which is actually pretty interesting. Just they talk about how they used very different prosthetics. But the thing that I should have known, but I didn't know for whatever reason, is they gave him like this black nose, because obviously Hugo Weaving has a nose. They needed to yes. CGI it out somehow. So instead of giving him like a green nose or leaving it out, like I think they did for Ray Fines for Voldemort, just having a regular human nose there. They made it a black nose, so he sort of looks like an adorable little doggy for most of the shots. Very interesting. No. Okay.
2: <laughs> you say that about Hugo anyway.
1: I mean, I, every time I watch The Matrix, I'm like, oh, who's this cute little dog? Oh, that's Agent Smith. I
2: remember. Yeah. <laughs> Take that puppy seriously.
1: Uh, let's talk about Hugo Weaving, though, as Red Skull, as this villain, because unlike Loki, who we talked about last week on Thor, who is a very sympathetic villain... Red Skull definitively is not. Like, he's the worst of the worst. Um, what, how, how do you feel about Hugo Weaving in this part? How do you feel about Red Skull the, as the villain in this movie?
2: I, I thought he was great. Uh, it's interesting, it, the way the movie, the arc of the movie is, you sort of know he's going to lose at the midpoint as opposed to later. Mm-hmm. Um, just, there's so much uh, momentum behind Cap, and there's that point when he and Bucky... Uh, are uh, confronting um, Cap and Zola uh, with a, the factory blowing up beneath them. And he's like, look, he's running. And we had the line earlier, like, once you start running, you're never going to stop running. You're like, oh, it's over. Cap just won right there. And you see him fall apart. And I love, it's a testament to Hugo's performance that he's still menacing, even though the movie is like, sorry, dude, you're you're done. Basically from that point on. Yeah. Amelia, what about you?
0: I mean, Red Skull is as you said, he's like, he's such a transparent villain. Like we know exactly what he's going to do. We know exactly what his play is going to be because we know what all of his motives are. Um, So it's a huge testament to Hugo Weaving's performance that he manages to make this very obvious character, you know, very interesting. Like the way he plays the villainy is just like it's kind of delicious in a way, where you're just like, "Yes, fucking pile it on, Hugo. You're doing amazing, sweetie." Like he, he brings, like, obviously he's he's a Nazi. Like, how do you make a Nazi more terrible? And that he's like, mm, "I'm better than Hitler." Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Okay.
1: Well, what do you what do you guys think about that? Because that's been, I think. There's been so much back and forth over the years, not just about this movie, but about the comics and everything about Hydra versus Nazis and the choice to make Hydra worse than Nazis. Um, Do you have any opinions on that whatsoever?
2: Uh, Just Well, I mean, I don't know. They don't really say like Hydra's worse than Nazis. It's Hydra's um, more aggressive or more ambitious or just like organized even i don't know like it's just like we're the nazis don't expect us to be against them also i didn't take it as like oh yeah they're worse amelia you have any thoughts on this one
0: i have the same opinion as daisy in agents of shield when they're like we're not nazis you're big fat nazis
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's that simple. laughs> Yeah, there is. Uh, I'll mention uh, there is a good deleted scene. Most of them are just kind of whatever. But there's one called the Battle of Azano, which is really interesting. And I understand why they cut it out. But uh, right after the montage sequence of Cap doing the Star Spangled Man with a plan, it cuts to Germany, where Bucky and the Howling Commandos are fighting the Germans. And then suddenly you see these blue pulses out of nowhere that are taking out the Germans, taking out the Nazis. And the Howling Commandos are like, what's going on here? This this great is somebody helping us. And then a huge hydro tank comes over the ridge and blasts at them. And that's how they end up trapped uh, halfway mm-hmm. through the movie, so it makes sense why they cut it out to make it more of a surprise that Bucky is going to show up there. A better introduction for the Howling Commandos, but on this whole uh, turn from Nazi Hi- to, to Hydra's, there it does actually add some information in terms of like Schmidt has definitively broken with Hitler at this point. It uh, yeah. is straight up killing the German army. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting.
2: Um you gotta gotta give it up to Hydra though. Like their organization is is going so well that they start making hood ornaments, mm-hmm. pins, ascots. Like that's when you know your terrorist organization you is really brand. What coming What's a gift shop
1: stuff. like. That's what I want to know Exactly. Hydra base.
2: And that's a catalog order. Like it's not like they're gonna give that out. You're gonna have to special order the Oh, it's the like a sharper hood image ornament. type thing? But for oh specifically, it's an inter organization. It's like Sky mm-hmm. Mall.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, what about, while we're going through the cast here and just kind of running through them, what about Sebastian Stan as Bucky? That was something, uh, and, and I watched this with my wife, and she was kind of struck the same way, particularly now that we're past Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where it's just like, man, he's he's got real far from where he started out in this movie.
0: mm mm-hmm
2: yeah i mean he was uh from the jump he was just like oh this is just a guy and then it's like right it is him he looks a little different and then he he really progresses e- over the course of the movie and it's a switch from having the big brother energy from the front to being very much like kid like bucky the kid energy from the comics yeah
0: stan's performance in this and as bucky as a whole throughout the character's tenure uh i feel uh it's really impressive uh, because like in our first meeting with him, you know, he's just, he's Howard Stark, but he's not Howard Stark. Like he's Howard Stark with a heart a little bit more. um, And like, he does protect, you know, his little baby Steve. And, you know, he does want to make sure that Steve is having a nice time as well, despite the fact that Steve does not want to be having a nice time. I want to go fight a war. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, you, he understands the assignment, every single time. And I Mm. think that's a huge testament to Stan as this character has shifted and evolved because we see a change even in this first film from the very beginning, as you said, to later on where like he's after uh, Peggy comes into the bar and like completely ignores him. And he just looks at Steve and he's like, I'm you, this is my worst nightmare. She (laughs) didn't even see me, what?
2: So good. And then he, uh, Chris Evans tells him his line back to him from earlier, like, great. Great
1: scripts. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, this is. Uh, I will mention one qualm here. I think there's some very dorky things that happen, and they're probably purposely dorky, and that's fine. But like the whole fondue thing that keeps popping mm. up is very silly. Uh, and uh, some of the rep- the reason I brought it up now is some of the repeated lines where I'm like, all right, I get it. You don't have to say this line three times over the course of the movie. It's all right. It's fine. It was fun the first time, but.
2: Is it, but Alex, you're living in an America that went through the '70s fondue craze, mm-hmm. and this was back in the '40s, where right. the fondue was only a, a European thing. That, that Steve, little Steve Rogers, Brooklyn army obsessed kid, never encountered hot cheese, so he doesn't know what it exactly. All his is. cheese was ice cold. That's the way exactly they it back in the Brooklyn American again. way. Yeah. Yes, very cold cheese.
0: This yeah. poor soft boy, not knowing what. Fondue is is just the cutest thing in the world. It works for me. Like Steve <laughs> yeah, 2 fondue, and like Howard's, like it's it's cheese, man. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, oh. I'll okay. I'm gonna I'll just ask another question that's been heavily debated over the years. Did did Steve Rogers have sex at any point? No. no, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, And I disagree with Haley Atwell on this. Like, Haley has like, been a record. She's like, yeah, they absolutely banged. Like, well before. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Margaret Peggy Carter and Stephen Grant Rogers did not have sex before that man died. Like, everything about no, they, both of the their the first time they touched no each
1: other, other than, the, like, the brief chest touch, was the kiss in the car right before he gets yes. on the plane and then yes. he dies. Yeah. That's like, the 100%. Time. There's no but, way that takes
2: but. Oh, you what bought, were you going to say? You, right? Maybe you are going to say this. Uh,
1: I was going to say there's that during the montage sequence, there's an uh, somebody who comes up and wants him to sign an autograph. This is actually an actress, Laura Haddock, who later plays Meredith Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy. So very non-chaotically, James Gunn is like, "Oh yeah, it's the same character," even though that doesn't work, I think, yeah. at all. Uh, but there was a moment where like they look at each other, and that was the first time watching this movie last night where I was like, wait a second, maybe sometime on the USO
2: tour. Maybe. Wow. No, why you don't why are you so? trying to, why are you trying to put yeah. cap in the bed? That's, he's, that how, he's,
0: that's not how he works.
2: Exactly. It doesn't roll that way. He's waiting for the right dance partner, Alex. All right. Sorry. Uh, the but I was going to throw out is um, we haven't talked about Tommy Lee Jones yet, um, who in that Jeep sequence is like, I'm not going to kiss you. And that's <laughs> one of a number of lines where he is perfect in this role, like truly so, so good being this fugitive ask uh, guy who's just telling it like it is like I thought he was so good in this um, throughout. Yeah. I
1: consistently forget he's in this movie. I've seen 100%. this movie so many times. Like every time when he shows up, I'm like, oh, right. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones is in this. But yeah, he's fantastic.
0: The way he, like, he, he's just bringing, like, peak Tommy Lee Jones energy to the role, but it works so well in everything. But, like, I can't imagine anybody else as Colonel Phillips. And the... It's so frustrating when we see him first sit down with Zola because we know what's going to, well, actually, at that point, we don't know what's going to happen later on. But, like, the knowing that his decision to work with this Nazi is what literally destroys the Avengers decades later is, first of all, really impressive storytelling on their part. But, like, it's you just you love he's like your cranky dad who doesn't want (laughs) to love the dog the dog is steve rogers and then he loves the dog and he's very annoyed (laughs) that he loves the dog but it's his favorite dog like the way he brings that and just the knowledge that your favorite dad is the one who broke everything is just like so heart-wrenching and great
2: yeah uh, I agree. I mean, it's hard to rank this versus his performances, to Face, but I guess we can probably put this slightly above it. Yeah, it's
1: it's close. It's close though. Uh, just to call out a couple of specific moments that I love every time I watch this movie. I mean, I feel like maybe the grenade scene is, if not the most iconic scene in the MCU, it's definitely the most iconic Captain America scene. Possibly in the history of the character. Like, just the simple way they encapsulate everything that Captain America stands for when he jumps on top of that grenade is just perfect. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: it it's great. I gotta say, that, that as a test, though, could probably go away, just if anyone's trying to test their friends You didn't with that. get that.
1: <laughs> <Don't>.
2: uh, <laughs> oh, I not No, I get it, but I'm also like... One of what? my
1: college courses did that
2: throughout <laughs> <of> my... <laughs> First day, First Professor, day. like who's the hero here? Yeah. Uh, hey,
1: everybody, welcome to Food Science Click. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Every food science class needs a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the real hero is someone that takes a grenade and throws it away from everyone, perhaps, rather than just fully (laughs) sacrificing themselves. I don't want to throw a wrench into the grenade test. (laughs) The wrench test is a better test.
0: Some huge Tony Stark energy. Like, sometimes you can't cut the wire. But yeah, Yeah. you should have definitely just thrown that grenade. (laughs) Yes. I
1: I love that scene, though. Uh, Also, the Howling Commando's montage in the middle of the movie is... So good and so wild how many different set pieces that they do in the middle there. Uh, uh, this is another one that every time I watch, them, I'm like, why have we not gotten a Howling Commando series? Like straight up, that right there, that is a TV series of them fighting the Red Skull, seeing all of these things and more happen. Uh, it would just be awesome. I don't think it'll ever happen at this point, but it's so much fun.
0: No, we get them in the iron ceiling in Agent Carter, which, uh, P.S., is the greatest episode of television that's ever been made. Very oh. important distinction. Wow. I do not say that lately, um, But that scene, that montage, makes you fall in love with every single one of these men with very, very little screen time, very little dialogue. You're just like, yes, I would die for all of these people. And, like, I'm from Fresno, Ace, is one of the yeah. best <laughs> <Yeah>. lines. <laughs> yeah where are you from i'm from fresno ace
2: yeah the ace they they all have such attitude and they they (laughs) hit they hit the stereotypical like army guy world war ii army movie things of like oh they're all got a little bit of attitude it's perfect it reminded me a lot of the um the montage from tombstone where wyatt and the rest of doc holliday just go and like wreck shit like it was just Mm. another perfect execution like that
0: yeah
1: uh, any other moments that I struck either of you in the movie, or you want to talk about, Amelia? Anything? What's your favorite scene in the movie? Oh no!
2: All of the them?
0: She's broken. Amelia just—if uh, you're
1: listening on the podcast, Amelia just exploded.
0: So. <laughs> um, I guess I, I got to say it's the end, which is devastating. Just. The way Haley Atwell delivers that last Steve uh, ruined my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: goodbye, I'm done for eternity. And she'll do it again with one liners many times later on. Like, you came back, go away, Haley Atwell. How dare you? Stop this. Stop. <laughs> You're terrible. But probably that last scene, just the way that you know he is falling on the grenade again and this time there was nowhere to throw the grenade to and the the desperation of everybody like howard stark and tony stark are very different people but this this scene at the end just perfectly demonstrates that they do share the same dna like Mm the MCU went a unique route when they made Howard a little bit of a better person than Tony, like mm-hmm. overall throughout like life, he got yeah. the end moment. Um, but the the determination that we see on him and like the realization that this man is going to look for Steve Rogers for the rest of his existence to st- despite being labeled as one of the selfish, most selfish people on the planet is hugely interesting. Like, Seeing this woman who is hugely independent and trusts very few people because she had to claw to where she gets just completely broken down and shattered like those last moments are just extremely powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean, and to that yeah. point, it's crazy how much that search changes him to the point that in 1974 he looks like an entirely different person.
0: <laughs> Holy is man. Un- yeah.
2: unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, the world's crazy. The world's hard <laughs> on
1: people. Uh, Justin, what about you? A fave scene in the movie or other one you wanted to call out?
2: Um, I mean, that's probably my favorite scene as well, just because it brings together so many things. I mean, I talked about it earlier, but I- I'll call out a couple things. One, on behalf of Pete, i got to shout out the Tooch um, as Stanley Tucci <laughs> oh, yeah. as Erskine. Um, I'll, great performance here. His intimate moments with with Steve Rogers are so good when they're sharing the, the schnapps, and then he drinks both of them. And then later, he's like, "I didn't save you a lot, so sorry." Like <laughs> he's just great, funny. Um, and I like how he's just creeping around the World's Fair looking for guinea pigs at the beginning of the movie. Classic scientist <laughs> move.
0: Just hey, on, that, <laughs> on that same note, the that exact scene where they're sharing the schnapps, uh. It's such an important moment, not just within the MCU, but to to Americans as a whole, because we don't teach history very well and people don't remember it very well. But his line, the the first people that Hitler invaded were his own. Like the first people who fell to the Nazi army was Germany, and that. we wouldn't realize later in our lives would become very important.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. That is such, such a good uh, felt, almost tossed away line, but it is Mm -hmm. hugely important. It's a great call out.
0: Thanks to Tucci.
2: Thanks to Tucci. what else was I gonna say? Um, the cyanide tooth very easy to pull out. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How do you not do that when you're eating a steak of some sort? I
1: have no idea. I worry about that yeah. all the time yeah. that I would accidentally knock that out. Also, just because yeah, you thing. have one,
2: you have one right all now. All of
1: my teeth are cyanide teeth. Oh, yeah, I've replaced dear. all of them. <laughs> You've been very in dangerous. so
2: many, so many yeah. terrorist organizations.
1: <laughs> you gotta diversify. You never know which one you're gonna like the best. I love the kid getting thrown in the water. And he's like, yes. it's all right, I can swim.
2: That's what I'm Go get He says, go get him. Like yeah. the the tough nosed Brooklyn energy from all those scenes is so, so much good. Fun. Uh and I did want to throw out like at what point in the Marvel cinematic universe did they transition from the Tesseract being like a cosmic cube to being like actually it's gonna be an infinity stone. Uh because I feel it's like after weird. this point, Definitely. Uh, yeah. So it, it's such a funny thing that they did that, worked so hard to establish th- this, and then we're like, actually, no, there's a tiny rock inside that little box. Uh,
1: well, there's, I mean, not that we necessarily, you know, this is controversial and probably shouldn't even be mentioning his name, but uh, Joss Whedon did do a rewrite here to connect things to the Avengers. So at this point, they were already in production on it. So certainly at some point, they were aware that it was going to get broken open and something else was going to happen there. But to your point, it just works differently. And this is talking about the end of the movie. It was always very weird and surprising to me that Red Skull gets zooped away the same way that Thor does with the Bifrost. It's exactly the same effect. And everybody that I had talked to afterwards was like, oh, he's dead. He died in that, right? And I was like, no, he got transported somewhere else. And then later on, of course, that's exactly what happened. But to your point, Justin, I think the, like we have been talking about a lot on these podcasts, there's a fair amount of improvisation that went on in the MCU. And I think yeah. for the better for it.
2: And the fact that they made sense of it all is truly amazing.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Like it's not the first Infinity Stone that we see them retcon either. Like when we first meet Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet in the cutscene, everybody started freaking out because the one that Thanos had on his hand was the opposite hand of the one that existed in the throne room. So everybody was like, "Were there two Infinity Gauntlets?" And they fix it with a millisecond scene. In Ragnarok with Hella just showing up fake.
1: Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, all right. There's <laughs> probably a lot it. more things we could talk about with this movie, but why don't we move on to our vision board where we talk about things that are coming forward. A couple of things to mention. One, there's an animated series, What If? The premiere is in August. Yes. We don't know the exact date yet, uh, but there are 10 episodes. The second season is already in development, and there's at least one episode apropos of this movie, which is What If Peggy Carter Took the Super Soldier Serum? Um, that sounds
2: great. I'm super into that. Can't idea. wait. Yeah, Amelia, do you have any interest in watching that episode of television? Yeah,
0: no, uh, <laughs> not my Captain, thing. <laughs> the Captain Britain comic arc is is obviously very brief, um, but still very fun. So I'm excited to see how they adapt it into into what if.
1: Yeah, I'm also very excited just to see all of the actors returning to their voice roles. Steve Rogers seems to be in it, but like skinny Steve Rogers, maybe in an Iron Man style suit or something like that. But that show should be super wild and fun. Another one we talked about, uh, actually, both of these things a little bit on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier portion of our podcast. But Captain America 4 is coming. Malcolm Spellman, who did Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is working on writing that right now. And also potentially Falcon and the Winter Soldier season two. But I think the bigger question about both of these, as there were rumors that them were denied, but we know Marvel tends to lie. uh, Do you (laughs) think Steve Rogers, do you think Chris Evans is going to come back as Steve Rogers for any of these projects or any
0: others? I think the only value to bringing Steve Rogers back is in a series about him and Peggy living through (laughs) history. I think there Mm -hmm. is no narrative benefit to putting him back in the present timeline outside of like, he died and we officially know that he died now. Like he, the Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes story has grown past Steve. We have said our farewells. We have acknowledged that he is no longer a part of this universe. Um, And I think it's really important to Sam's story that they let Sam's story be Mm -hmm. Sam's story without Steve's involvement at all.
2: I think that's 100% right. Um, I could see a flashback, a a, a newly shot flashback that they might need at one point. I think that's cool. Um, But I agree. Like, we're past it. Would love a a two-hander series with Chris Evans and Haley Atwell of them just Uh, living through the 50s, 60s. Well, I'll
1: throw out something else. I mean, this is completely, not even rumory, but completely fake, where a bunch of fans made posters. But there was a rumor going around that there was going to be a series called Captain America, The Last Mission that was going to follow him as he returned all the infinity stones after Avengers end game, which sounds, I will say super fun. I I'd watch it. Uh, the one thing that I kind of missed from that section because they didn't show it in Avengers Endgame game is what we don't really get in this movie that we were just talking about is a rematch between captain America and the red skull, like really getting to see them finish that fight in a certain way. So I, I'd love to see that at some point. If we don't, I think I will survive
2: personally. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of homework. I don't need to see Chris Evans do homework. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll watch
0: Chris Evans do anything, but I'm not chomping at the bit for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Before we wrap up here, Amelia, anything you would want to plug? Any place people should check you out online?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously check out What to Watch. Uh, I have a great team of very smart writers who put out very, very good content. Um, and then you can check out my newsletter at pickety witch or newsletter.picketywitch.com.
1: Awesome. Amelia, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, fingers yeah. crossed that Peggy shows up in the MCU again for <laughs> you, if not for everybody else. And for all of you out there, if you'd like to support us, comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Captain America or any aspect of the MCU. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comment book club live.com for this podcast and more until next time stay
2: marvelous like all new yorkers steve rogers deeply uncomfortable in times square as well as we learned in this movie <laughs>